Hello, New York, and welcome back to another episode of New York Take a Walk. We got off-season action. Woo! Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm Steve Dare alongside Max Sanzer and Ethan Birch. A lot of breakdown, actually. It's kind of weird, you know, because there's no baseball actually being played. But we got a lot to break down because it's a little early. So why not? I owe Max Tanzer a lot of credit uh, because he's a loyal Mariner fan. Never seen a person love the Mariners more in my entire life. So I want to start off this show with the best segment of New York Take a Walk, which is Max Mariner Talk. For the first time ever, it will be the first topic of the night. Max, take it away. Well, first, I got to say it's an honor that I am the biggest Mariners fan you've ever met, given how many Mariners fans you probably know living in New York. But Evan wow. White, J.P. Crawford winning gold gloves, which is absolutely fantastic. Evan White's a guy, I think I said this on the last show, that people were saying when he got drafted, he could win a gold glove at that moment. And if you look at the – sabermetrics numbers on it defensively for him this year. I mean, it, they really stand alone. And that was the big basis of the decision-making this year. It was entirely sabered. No managers or, or coaches voting this year. Evan White led first baseman in defensive runs saved with seven. Led both Olsen and Gurriel, who he was competing with, it with a UZR of 2.2 and a defensive war of 0.4. Absolutely phenomenal. Not only is the IQ there, picks everything. So much range, so athletic for a first baseman, too. Uh, someone I'm so excited to see, and this is just the first of many. Then J.P. Crawford, again, another phenomenal guy. Perry Hill, they brought him over to, as, as the first base coach and defensive specialist for the Mariners back a few years ago. And he was known over in Miami and turning into Deke Gordon into a gold glove defender. I think he now has 10 gold glovers under his resume. Uh, and J.P. Crawford this year led shortstop or led all the competitors in outs above average with four. And then you could put Goodrum in there too, who's one of the competitors who had five, but he only had 117 total chances compared to Crawford's 221. Did make three errors, but he's absolutely uh, unstoppable defensively. Uh, was really good at plays coming in towards home plate as well. Really strong arm, and I'm excited for him as well. So both J.P. Crawford and Evan White bringing home the gold for the Emerald City. Did you shed a tear? I was so, so excited. No tears, but my heart was pounding, and they set it up perfectly. Right. Fraud Mariners fan. Just kidding. He is I was not. Max, Max, Max. You didn't even cry. I'm, what a weirdo. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> you, you make me like the Mariners even though I don't actually like them. But I like well, to see you happy, Max. And that yeah. makes – I know you get happy when the Mariners win. But that is all for Max Mariner talk this week. And let's move forward with the real important content. We're going to predict some awards that will be announced next week. Uh, we will not be going over Silver Sluggers because that will take way too long. And at the time you're listening to this, the, they will already be announced – so we were going to start with the individual awards, you, you know, with one at each in each league. So we're going to first start with manager of the year. Ethan, I'm going to let you go first after I speak. So second, <laughs> I, for my national league manager of the year, I'm going to go with Don Mattingly. I think he just handled the Marlins controversy so amazingly considering they were the first team to have the outbreak they were supposed to be in last place, not only in the National League, but probably all of baseball. You can argue the Orioles. But they really exceeded expectations and honestly showed promise for the future, especially with that rotation of theirs. Don Manningly deserves it. I hope he gets it. American League, 
I want to say Renteria, but nah. I'm going to go with Kevin Cash. I just don't want to say it. Renteria, I was going to say, it would be kind of interesting considering he got fired. But you never know with baseball, especially this year. You never know with how the writers really think. So, so I'm gonna, at the end of the day, I'm going to go with Kevin Cash because it's based off of regular season. And to be honest, he handled the regular season very well for the Rays, even though he didn't really handle the World Series well. <laughs> but that's yeah. – we already talked about it. So that's my predictions. Ethan, what about you? So for National League, I'm probably going to go with Luis Rojas. Ooh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Let's talk it a little Could bit. Could you imagine? <laughs> no, I agree with you, Steve. I think Mattingly should win. Mattingly came into a situation in Miami, and I think he's done really, really well with it. I'm just You just looked at the Mariners coming into this season, and over the past couple of years, you've seen them as kind of almost like a borderline AAA roster, and now they come in finally looking like they're locked and loaded. They got plenty of young talent on this team, a couple older, older guys that are holding down the fort as well, and they just showed so much promise for the future, and that was what the thing that I liked the most. They even snuck into the playoffs. They were better than the Nationals, better than the Phillies, and better than the Mets, which is something that if you told a lot of fans before this season – I don't think anyone would have believed it, that they would have finished in second in the National League East and snuck into these playoffs, and they did it. They went against the odds, and I think Mattingly should be manager of the year because of that. Also, I think Kevin Cash deserves it as well, Steve. I agree with you on both ends. What he did throughout the American League, he dominated the Yankees. He only lost to the Yankees twice this whole season. Yes, it was uh, so just being the Yankees makes you win manager yeah, of the year. That's how, that's how it works. <laughs> overall, they, they won the AL East. They played they're one of the best teams in the AL East they dominated up and down they've he's absolutely mastered the bullpen yes it was a little bit of a mess in the World Series that doesn't matter it's manager of the year Kevin Cash and Don Mattingly in my opinion I agree with both of you guys Florida is definitely going to be reigning with the two managers of the year this year uh for Kevin Cash I think definitely I want to say definitely well I I I I, if I were voting that's who I'm choosing sure you don't have a vote so it doesn't matter I I think they have a very good (laughs) With Cash, what's interesting, too, that people are forgetting about a lot is, again, whether it's the analytics department helping him out or not, he is managing that bullpen, which is such a huge aspect of the manager in Major League Baseball. Uh, multiple guys having saves, several injuries. You know, I know there was a big storyline with the Yankees as well, but the Rays had a ton of injuries, too, and they were able to get it done. When the On the low-key, yes. Uh, they had it. And so I think that added on top of the fact that this is a small market team with a small payroll uh, is huge. And again, this is voted on right after the regular season before the postseason. So none of that World Series drama is going to play a role into this. I still think he is the best manager in the American League this year. With Don Mattingly, again, similar to Cash, small payroll. They brought in a bunch of veterans who I almost thought they were going to try and ship off at the trade deadline. But look, they found themselves in a situation to push for a playoff spot, kept them, added Starling Marte, and then end on the fact, like you guys mentioned, that uh, you had all the drama at the beginning of the year, having to make up all of those games late, and he was able to still carry, or not carry, but help this team get to the playoffs. Both Mattingly and Cash are very deserving and would have my vote. Yes, we'll see. We'll find out. Moving forward, let's go to Rookie of the Year. We'll start with the American League. The finalists there are Christian Navier for the Astros, Kyle Lewis of Max's Mariners, and Luis Robert of the Chicago White Sox. It looks like it was going to be Robert early on. He was honestly doing phenomenal, but had a slow stretch at the end of the year, which kind of made the race a lot closer. 
And honestly, if I was going to give my vote, I'll go Christian Javier, mainly because of the impact he had on the Astros. Shaking my head. Going against Max, man. What is, what is good with you today? I, I know. I know. Max really – I know he's going to say Kyle Lewis. Maybe. I, I'm not biased. Oh, wait, wait. I, I know you're not Kyle biased. Was... I know you're not biased. But just mainly because of the impact he had with the Astros, he went out there. and he, uh, You could argue that he was the most valuable player of the Astros this year. He gave them consistent starts throughout the 60-game season. Even though they had an under 500 record, they, he, they got in the playoffs based on the format. They knew what they had to do based on the format. Got them in the playoffs, even though it doesn't count for the postseason. Uh, he did really well in the postseason. He was very flexible in his roles with the team, and I believe that he deserves it. Do I, do I think he's generally going to win? I really don't think so, but I hope he wins, and that's where my vote would go to. Well, you know what? I hope – Kyle Lewis wins because I hope Max is happy. Also, I think he was he will win as well. I think I was gonna pick Luis Robert, but I just completely forgot that his batting average went down to two thirty three. That's not a rookie of the year. And Christian Javier, I just don't think that. Yes, he was good, but the fact that they finished under five hundred and it wasn't as big as an impact as Kyle Lewis. Kyle Lewis had some huge hits all year. Also hit two sixty six. I think that, in a sense, he deserves rookie of the year more than Christian Javier. Javier. Although they, I know they didn't make the playoffs, but as a hitter, he's re, he's a, he did good this season. He hit the ball. He's 266 is nothing to joke about, especially in your rookie oh, yeah. season. I mean, and for Lewis, too, he obviously did cool off. A lot of people are for, like a lot of people focus on and hone in on Luis Robert. Kyle Lewis did not have a September to remember either, but still the numbers are there. 11 homers, 28 RBIs, OPS a smidge over 800. The reason why I would still go with Lewis over Javier is one Javier. The 3480 array is good. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to take anything away from him. Fantastic in the postseason, a big part to help the Astros stay in the race. But Lewis is an everyday player, can do it on the defensive side of things, made some fantastic plays, and the impact offensively as well in the middle of that Mariners order means more to me overall as a player. If a pitcher's going to win the rookie of the year, in my opinion, it's either that there's no valid contenders or he was absolutely dominant. And in this case, for me, Javier was great above average, but not absolutely dominant and not more valuable than Kyle Lewis, in my opinion. Agreed. Um, I'll go my NL one. I'm going to go Jay, Cron- uh, Jay Cronworth. I think he was just, not only statistically, I know he hit 285, but throughout the re- entire course of the season, this man came up with hits, big hits left and right for this Padres team. I know when you think of the Padres, you mostly think of Manny Machado and Tatis and these other guys having these big hits, but Jay Cronworth played a huge part in this. Although he only socked four home runs this year, he was really good. Came up with some big hits that I can remember, including a grand slam when they had that massive grand slam streak going when they were slam Diego back in late August. And he was just really good. Also played at 172 at-bats, played almost the entire season. And I like him for my NL Rookie of the Year pick. This one's so really tough. Uh, Max, you go first. Let's see if, let's see where, if you have similar answers. So my, mine's difficult because I think Alec Bohm was fantastic as well. The only thing that hurts him was really good, yep. slightly smaller sample size, but still able to play more than 40 games and put up, in my opinion, better numbers than Cronenworth. I think Cronenworth was the front runner for the majority of the season, but don't sleep on Devin Williams. Again, I'm not quite 100% sure who I'll give my vote for, but Devin Williams gave up one run in his first down of the year 
remainder of the season, no runs given up, 27 innings, an 0-3-3 ERA, 53 strikeouts in those 27 innings, an ERA plus where 100 is average. He was at 1,375 and garnered it's a small sample size. And I just said, if a pitcher is going to win rookie of the year, there has to be someone who's not competing with them or has to be absolutely dominant. Williams only did throw 27 innings, but this is one of the better <laughs> relief seasons we've seen. It's hard. It's hard. All three are very worthy. Max. And I don't want people to sleep on Williams. Max, I'm right with you there with Devin Williams. I am on the Williams train. All aboard. We are moving full steam ahead. I mean, the fact that you had one earned – that you allowed one earned run all year long, he made a huge impact on the Brewers getting into that late playoff push. Yes, they were struggling at the end of the day, and it was mainly because of a lot of losses. But still, he would go out there in his appearances two innings each and not allow a run. I mean, it was pretty phenomenal. And for me, when I look at award winners, I like to look at impact on the team. And yes, Commonworth really did a good job with his impact, or Cronenworth, excuse me, uh, did a good job with his impact on the Padres. And I do think, I, and I wouldn't be surprised if he won, but Devin Williams, considering the position the Brewers were in, who knows if they would have made the playoffs without him. Uh, their team was questionable with pitching depth all year long. Uh, and he really filled that role and helped the Brewers' bullpen get six outs every time he was out there. Yeah, no, he was really, really good. And just to give Alec Bohm some light, too, four homers, 23. Yeah, go Bohm. Slash 338, 421, <laughs> OPS of 881 in 44 games. Uh, really good numbers, incredibly good with runners in scoring position, and was helping pacing that Phillies lineup that really cooled off towards the end of the year that unfortunately could not – make it to the postseason on the final day of the year. But all three of these guys, I'm fine with winning. It's so yeah, close. It's an equal shot year. around, I think. There's a little bit more separation. I think all of these rookies, for the most part, I would take away a Luis Robert because his average was kind of absurdly low, and you kind of just had to fill in that third spot. But all the f- rest of the five I could easily see winning, and I wouldn't be upset with either of them. So let's move forward now to the Cy Young Awards. I don't even want to go into the American League because we can all talk about Shane Bieber and how – dominant it's going to be when he wins this award so Shane Bieber won the award let's go anyone clap <laughs> good for him terrible against the Yankees in the playoffs I'm gonna remember that part not really the Cy Young award year and know Cy Young is gonna be a little different it's it's close I mean Trevor Bauer might be the favorite right now but wouldn't be surprised if the Grom won you Darvish also had a good year but kind of fell off a little bit towards the end it's gonna be close but I think Bauer's going to win. I think it's yeah, going to be a time for cha- change. Kind of, an, kind of an easier way on both Cy Youngs. I feel like towards the end, take away 2018 when DeGrom was going against Scherzer, and Scherzer had a lot more strikeouts because DeGrom had the ERA. That was like kind of up in the air going in, but you kind of knew DeGrom was going to win as well. I think both these Cy Youngs are fairly obvious. Obviously, Bieber put up a historic season, and Bauer was just clearly the best. He ranked in higher in strikeouts, innings pitched, and ERA. So over – you, he won't he, – DeGrom won't beat him, and neither will Darvish. No doubt. I'm on the same train. You said it perfectly. I won't go too much deeper into it. Trevor Bauer, Cy Young. Gave you Darvish credit. He was right there along the whole entire way, but Trevor Bauer outplayed him, in my opinion. All right, so we got our picks. (laughs) Let's move to the MVPs quickly before we get into our little bit of hot stove offseason talk. Let's go with the National League first. It's going to be interesting. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Manny Machado, the finalists there. 
I wouldn't be surprised if either three won. I honestly don't know how any of these MVP races are going to turn out. But if I were to give my pick, I was going to go with Freddie Freeman. I mean, he was just an absolute rock with the Braves all year and um, had more walks than strikeouts during this 60-game season and really just came up in the clutch for the Braves all year long. And I believe that his impact on the Braves – Propel them to having one of the, one of their best seasons as a franchise. Yeah, I agree. I think um, were, I think the best duo in Major League Baseball this entire year. I would go with Freeman as my MVP. Not too many times you see a guy hit for power with the 13 homers, 20 plus RBI or doubles in which he led the league in, then also hit 341. I think Tatis was the front runner through the first half of the season. He was, yeah. Really cooled off. Freddie Freeman was consistent the entire way. Uh, no doubt in my mind, Freddie Freeman MVP. Completely agreed as well, all across. I like the story too. COVID, he had COVID, said that he was probably one of the worst cases in Major League Baseball that we know of. He said he had 104 fever, was almost praying to God that he wasn't going to die because he was so sick. He lost a lot of weight, came back and put up an insane season. He played all 60 games, 341, 13 home runs. He never hit a grand slam coming into this year and hit two grand slams in three games. Just a cool stat. There's no doubt that Freddie Freeman. He's got the story. He's got the stats. Yeah, month of September, hit 375, slugged 758, homers, 32 RBIs. Just incredible, incredible. Well, we got got our picks there. Let's move on to the American League, our final award preview. American League MVP, Jose Abreu of the White Sox, EJ LeMahieu of the wonderful New York Yankees, and Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland Indians. This will be a little bit more of a close race. But honestly, the way that Jose Ramirez played at the end of the year, I think he's going to end up being the American League MVP, really propelled the Indians lineup, which was struggling all season long, but really picked up as a whole in the offensive side of baseball towards the end of the 60-game season. And that's why Jose Ramirez will take the MVP honors. Wouldn't be surprised, though, if the other two win. I actually disagree, Steve. I think uh, Jose Abreu would win this one. I think all season long, played all 60 games, just like Freddie Freeman, led the led American League with 60 RBIs, 76 hits, slugged 19 home runs. It felt like every single day this guy was coming up with another RBI. He averaged an RBI a game this season. There was very little games where he didn't. He slugged he slugged six 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 seventeen. Excuse me. That's which is just incredible. Obviously, not too long of a season, 60 games. Three, this last line was 317, 376, 17. I think the slugging percentage is beyond through the roof. You don't usually see that. And I just felt like every single day you looked at your highlights and it was Jose Abreu RBI double, Jose Abreu two run shot. So I'm going with Jose Abreu. I think Ramirez's first half of the season takes away throughout the entire 60 game season. Jose Abreu was way more consistent. And for that exact point, that's why I'm picking Jose Abreu too. Now, I do love Steve's point of the fact that Jose Ramirez was really one of the only signs of life in that Cleveland offense. And I think, personally, I would rather the MVP be voted that way in terms that's, of – That's my play. criteria. I know how it works in baseball and many sports. But I love the value of the player. No doubt. And that's why I think, like, DJ LeMahieu should have gotten way more recognition last year in MVP voting just because he stayed healthy and played multiple positions and put up fantastic. You could moves. argue Luke Voigt, he could have been a finalist. I wouldn't have been surprised if you saw Luke Voigt instead of LeMahieu this year in 
the finalists because Luke Foy was playing through injury all year long and honestly was the only thing keeping the Yankees alive in the playoff race at one point. As you remember, they were in eighth, only a half game up into the, in the Orioles, but Luke Foy propelled the Yankees lineup in, those four, in that four-game series and throughout the entire year leading the American League in homers. Yeah, but unfortunately, the realistic or the reality of it is it is basically voted on who's the best player. I mean, Mike Trout, not taking nothing away from him, the best player on the planet, maybe arguably Mookie Betts too, but I still put Mike Trout up there. He hasn't made the playoffs since 2014. So because of that, in that criteria, I would vote for Jose Abreu, who again played every single game, led the league in hits, RBI slugging, as Ethan mentioned, 148 total bases as well. Uh, Really, really good numbers and quite a story too, who's, as he's been with the White Sox since 2014. Uh, and it's great yeah. to see him make a play or was great to see him. Looks like a new human right now. He's yeah. slimmed down a lot. It was crazy. Yeah, he was, he was very – he had a lot of weight problems early on in his career. It kind of reminds me of the slim down that Dom Smith took. And have you guys seen Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Oh, my Apparently God. he lost 30-plus pounds. <laughs> Talking about last- Dom Smith and MVP talks. No, I wasn't saying MVP talks. I'm just Dom saying Smith. It's, a, it's a considered – I know. Matt Dom Smith had a good year. Okay, yes, Vlad Guerrero also slimmed down. It's, yeah, it's, I've seen those. Those are really cool. I think, I think maybe he'll have a bounce back here. But let's move forward on that Dom Smith note. Speaking of Dom Smith. Speaking of Dom Smith, we got Mets offseason talk to go into now for the last eight minutes of our show. A lot of things can happen under Steve Cohen. Big advantage for the Mets is that Steve Cohen is the new owner – and he wants to spend. He's a Mets fan. He wants to win. And he was, the, he was not the owner during this pandemic season in which all the other owners lost money. He didn't lose money. So a lot of people are expecting big signings this offseason. Now, due to all this hype of this offseason for the Mets, could it turn out to be equivalent to what happened with the New York Knicks last offseason when they were like, oh, we're going to get Zion Williams first pick in the draft. Then we're going to sign Kevin Durant and – Kyrie Irving, and the Knicks will be back. Or will the Mets actually be successful? My prediction is they'll be in between. A lot of Mets fans are getting too excited with what's going on right now. And I hope they don't get too high expectations. And also, I just hope they address the right needs. And if you're the Mets, your priority, in my, my eyes, is to sign JT Relamuto to be your catcher. And either sign Trevor Bauer and plan B, get back Strowman at all costs. Or C, get both. Those three are your targets. I don't think trading Francisco Lindor, which is what we're seeing a lot, is the answer. Uh-huh. I don't think really toying with the Mets lineup is really the whole answer. The Mets lineup was really, really good last year. Mm-hmm. They, they were really good. They, they just didn't hit with runners in scoring position. That was their whole issue. These, these players are big leaguers. So in order to make it to the big leagues, you got to hit with runners in scoring position in the past. So they've definitely, you know, either in high school, college, in the minor leagues, they hit with runners in scoring position in the gotta past. So they got to they gotta get up there somehow. <laughs> I don't think that's a huge issue. That will come along with the players. The big thing is to get one to two more starters, strong starters, and getting JT Real Muta to solve the catching position because everywhere else is fine. Yeah, so there's a couple priorities I know that I really, really want. I'll be as realistic as I possibly can. So first of first, the Mets, I believe Stroman has like five or six days left to accept his qualifying offer. His qualifying offer is $18.9 million. He should take that. And he should take that 
because I actually did a little tiny little tweet about it. The fact that he didn't play for an entire season. He didn't play his contract season and his contract was wasted because of that. No team is, he's, he's a guy who's going to want a hundred million dollars. No one's going to give him that kind of money in my opinion for not playing an entire season. So he should take the $20 million because $20 million is first of all, nothing to joke about. And now he plays for a contract here. He's still around that age where you can still get a five to six year contract after this season. He's a starting pitcher. Next priority. You got to sign one of the three, in my opinion. JT Real Muto apparently doesn't want to play with the New York Mets. He wants to stay in Philadelphia. So in that sense, you go with George Springer. You got to offer, you got to offer them two out of three. No, no, offer two no, out no, of no, three. no, 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 Springer. Yeah. No, Why not? I, I because think your outfield is fine. It's with fine. who? Brandon Nimmo. Brandon was the 31st best, 34th best center fielder in baseball. Last year. He gets on base. He's a good leadoff hitter. We he don't... cannot be in the outfield. He just yes, cannot he can. be in the outfield. Yes, he can. No, he's not. The you can't prioritize Springer. He cannot be. Okay, you're fine. putting Springer you're in your priority. JT and Trevor you're Bauer. Saying, you put, you're saying that Trevor you would Bauer rather have Springer Bauer than JT Ramunto. And Stroman, and no one beats your rotation. Nah, you're not going to – listen, the, Steve Cohen does have all the money in the world. No, I, okay, listen. You that's can't, why I'm realistic as I possibly I would not put George Springer in the top – Four of your priorities. I would. They, tra- they need to add acquiring a Lindor. Who's gonna catch? Is, two, is a higher trying to go for Lindor is a better a priority like than going James for McCann, like a lower level mid tier catcher, James McCann. He hit well, why do that when you can get the best? And they I'm have saying that JT Realmuto kind of openly went out and said he wasn't interested in coming to New York, and he kind of wants to stay in Philadelphia. In that case, but they don't want to give him money. Here's what I'll okay, say. I know you <laughs> offer him 125 million dollars, and he. And then it's a different scenario. But I'm saying that if he already said he didn't want to come, I'm not not canceling it out. But the Mets need to add a bat regardless. The runners in scoring position is still a problem. It's nothing we could just look past and be like, all right, well, forget it. It'll it'll come better. There's They didn't hit with no fans in the stadium. When everyone's – I don't know. I just feel like that's a thing that you got to take into perspective. They needed a bat. Yeah, no, and I, I think that if you can't get real, I think Real Muto should be a priority. If you can't get him, then go for James McCann. You obviously won't be paying as much of money, and then you can maybe go and afford a guy like George Springer or even a Marcus Simeon if you want a guy in the middle of the infield that plays better defense or so forth. Uh, but I think it's all just about what's available. I think if you're Steve Cohen in this situation, you know you're just a couple pieces away. One more starter, maybe one and a half more starters, uh, a catcher, and then maybe a middle infielder to improve that. In next – if they can't get a middle Munto and they get like someone like James McCann, I think your next priority is getting – try to get both Bauer and Stroman back. Well, because I, the Mets pitching I, killed them this year. I know, they and if they get these the two guys – Bauer said he would be fine playing in New York. He does. He said he didn't know if the Mets were interested in him. The Mets throw him two hundred and forty. Well, they were thinking they were comparing. Bauer like, doesn't necessarily like, want like a four-year contract. Cross he might want a two-year deal. Yeah. Right? deal. He's a very big on the low, low deal contract. Low even better length contracts. Even better. Get, if I say if you can't get Real Muto, try to get McCann and sign. Both. Two out of the three. I think they need to offer at least two out of the three. It's Springer. I would think Lindor is more of a aspiration well, than Springer, even though Lindor it involves Lindor has got a contract. And yeah, I know that involves trade, but still, I would. Go also, for that. if there is it worth it if you're giving up Dom Smith or Pete Alonso? 
It might be because there's a there is. I, well, you're not giving up Pete Alonso. There's an I over amount. Say, there's an over amount. Don't give away Pete Alonso. You're not giving away. It would be Smith. It would be Smith. Yeah. It would Dominic be Smith, Smith would be Smith worthy, so in my good. opinion, to give up in that situation just because Francisco Lindor is a franchise-altering player. He's a once in a he's a Mookie Betts in a way. Obviously, I think Betts is better, but you don't get a guy with, you know, that's marketable like he is and has the talent that he does. So if you could get Lindor for a reasonable price there's no chance or there's no doubt you're gonna to have to give up a good piece back but Dom Smith I think is reasonable enough to give back and be okay with if you're getting a guy like Frankie Lindor I so agree great. but I just I as of right now this is where I look at the Mets right now guaranteed you you can't guarantee you'll have him for you won't you can't guarantee you can extend him you have to hope you can exactly but, it's his contract ends at the end of the year it's almost here, it's a one-year rental at the at the most right now that's Here's the, the ideal Mets lineup, I think. You know, not ideal. Settle for it. As long as you get Bauer and or Stroman. And if you get two of the three uh, that we said, Stroman, Bauer, and Real Muto. Let's say they get Real Muto. This is your ideal lineup. Real Muto at catcher. First base. Or I'll settle for lineup. First base, Alonzo. Second base, McGill. Shortstop, you can platoon potentially with Rosario Nemes. Third, J.D. Davis. Left field, Dominic Smith. Center field, Nemo, right field, Conforto. I would be more than happy if I were a Mets fan with that lineup. That'd be one of the best lineups in baseball on the very underrated lineup in baseball that can do damage as long as they can score with runners in scoring position. Listen, I love it. I just don't like Nemo in center field. They won't be, they won't be starting him in center field this year, I don't think. I think, he, I think that's something he can work on, though. I know. Clint Frazier did it. He doesn't, he doesn't have an arm. He can't throw. It's it's I'm it's like a lot of different things coming up, and yes, I know he gets on base, but he's of the one day, of the best. He's a very World Series winning player. center fielder. I don't think so. Defensive I, I replacement, don't. defensive replacement, defense. I, I I would say he's probably. Well, but you're saying he's the starting point. center fielder. But if you could sign a guy like Springer and then have the ability to package Nimmo Smith and then maybe a prospect mm-hmm. as well, I know they're thin in terms of prospects. You might be able to get a good piece back for pitching or relief pitching as well, or even offensively, but I don't know if you'd need anything at that point. So I don't think it'd be the worst case if you bring in Springer, because then it allows you to be more flexible in your trading. And that will wrap up this week's episode of New York Take a Walk. We'll get into more details next week with the Mets and a little bit of the Yankees. Thank you for tuning in.